Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Who would have thunk it? The Bears 4-1. and one. Don't sit there at home and say, I thought the Bears were going to be 4-1. and one. I thought that Nick Foles would replace Mitchell Trubisky early in the season. In fact, I thought, Carm, that Foles would start week one, even though there wasn't training camp or anything. But, hey, that's where we're at. And I'm optimistic. I'm going to have Kevin Kaduk from the Midway Minute, who does great work. You should check out the Midway Minute on the podcast today. But uh, defense coming up, Foles having some awkward moments, and maybe we need to lower our expectations, but yet those expectations are still higher than Mitchell Trubisky expectations. I think that's fair. Interesting stuff elsewhere, too. The Blackhawks moving on from Corey Crawford. I didn't really see that coming. I figured Crow would be back here for at least one more season, maybe two on a team-friendly deal. Let him retire a Blackhawk, but not to be. And the baseball playoffs, sure, the Cubs and the White Sox are both eliminated. But the way these playoffs are going makes me kind of look closer at the way the playoffs ended for both the Sox and the Cubs. Without further ado, by the way, please like Give a rating. Five stars. I appreciate it. Kevin Kaduk, after this Bears mini little montage on the Windy City. Showtime. Santos got it. Bucks playing without Godwin, without Watson. Fourth down and five. Brady passes. Broken up. Incomplete. And the Chicago Bears are going to take over. Bringing in our pal, Kevin Kaduk, who's got the midway minute that you should be reading every single damn day. Ain't that right, Kevin? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, six days a week right now with the uh, pregame newsletter, and you can sign up at midwayminute.win. I think uh, I think I was on this podcast pushing it way back in February, no, March, and uh, I remember walking in to the office and you being like all weird and not wanting to shake my hand and me thinking, what the hell's wrong with this guy? And uh, like a week later, I was like, oh, Mark was a man ahead of his time. And uh, ever since, uh, we haven't seen each other in person. Is that true? The virus was out, but we were still going into the office? 
That's right. I think I want to say that was maybe like the first week of March when I walked in and you're like, let's do an elbow bump. I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> so I give you I give you credit for uh, for being a germaphobe um, and, and turning me on to the seriousness of what, what was about to happen. I was going to say you were the, once we started the Windy City, maybe it was still on the market at that point. I don't remember. But I we were going into a new level of doing video for the podcast in studio. And then that ended like a week right. later. Uh, but I, I didn't. I forgot that uh, the virus was out at that point. I definitely remember the day, and uh, having my having you into the old fan sided offices, which I miss, by the way. Uh, even though I, I guess I'm I'm allowed back in there, but nobody else seems to want to come in, and I I get it. But all right, yeah. and the, there was nobody at Soldier Field last night either. But they would have been booing Nick Foles had there been somebody there, Kevin. Uh, I'm not right. sure. Do you think that he's going to get better, or this is who he is? I think it's who he is. Uh, I, obviously, last night, the first half was pretty concerning when you saw him missing the throws that Mitch Trubisky was missing, and, and Foles was supposedly brought in to make those throws. And I mean, just one look at Twitter, I mean, everyone was, was gearing up, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, am I writing, put Mitch Trubisky back in? Am I writing fire and Ryan Pace this instant. (laughs) Don't write that. Yeah, and then he just puts it back together. I don't know what's in this dude's DNA uh, uh, when it comes to a comeback, but it's like he has to be up against it to actually produce. And, like, that's not great for Bears or Bears fans and and their heart rates, but, I mean, maybe that's just how it's going to be. Well, the one throw that freaked me out was the Darnell Mooney one where he made a great move and they showed it seven zillion times and he was open by 13 Mm -hmm. feet. And it was as if Nick Foles was Mark Carmen on the Thanksgiving Day field and missed him by, I don't know, five yards. That was brutal. Uh, That was brutal. And maybe it was the pass rush and he couldn't step up, but that was like stunningly bad. That stuff kind of happens, but when it came on the tail end of like another two or three bad throws, that's where it kind of like, okay, what the hell's going on? Um, and then they just kind of figured it out. And I mean, you look at this team, and yeah, they could easily be zero and five. They could be two and three, three and two. You know, whatever permutation you come up with, it's possible for this team. But they also have talent. They have you know ways to get the job done. So you know, we always we know that teams don't you know what they start out with in September is not what they are in December. So there could be some sort of progression and some sort of line, then maybe the bears are in good shape. And I think what we saw against the Buccaneers was somewhat of a progression, you know, not only from, um, you know, the offense in the second half and it's okay. If you, you know, I mean, they didn't even score a touchdown in the second half, but I, I think they did what they needed to do, but the defense really stepped up. And, and to me, that was the most, you know, the, most impressive thing about that night was that was like old Chicago Bears defense, and, and that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, uh, Khalil Mack actually looked like Khalil Mack, and by the yeah. way, the Bears need Khalil Mack to look like Khalil Mack. Robert Quinn looks like Leonard Floyd, which is not great. <laughs> Danny Trevathan showed up a lot more last night. Kyle Fuller had a sweet hit. I saw some people comparing it to like the greatest hits in Bears secondary history. I don't know where you rank the Todd Bell crack of Joe Washington in 1984. Do you go back that deep, Kevin? I feel like you probably do. 
it wasn't like that level to me when he just literally killed someone, but it was a 2020 yeah. sweet tackle play. So the defense, you're right. The defense looked better, which if the Bears are going to actually do something this year, they're going to need that defense to get back to being closer to elite. Yeah, no question. And I, I think that Fuller's hit on Keyshawn Vaughn. Like, if this actually ends up being a special season, and, you know, like we've got a long way to go for that to actually be, but uh, that was obviously a, a season changing hit because you, you get the ball back there at the, the Buccaneers 27 yard line. Foles finds Graham for just a big boy touchdown in the corner of the end zone, and, and they've got a 14 13 lead at halftime. And we were sitting there with seven minutes left to go in the first half and the bears were down 13, nothing. And, you know, you can't understate how big of a turnover that, that was. And it's something that I think the bears defense, while they've been great and not great, but they've been good. These first five games, they really missed that really big turnover early in early in the game that really changed things and, and gave the offense the short field that it needs. Spirit of the law, letter of the law. I did not think that was a catch and a fumble. I'm sorry, maybe by the letter of the law, maybe so, but bang, bang, that's a drop in my, in my, if you caught the, if you caught the ball world, he wasn't, I I was just, I was just happy. It wasn't, wasn't a unnecessary roughness penalty on on Fuller because he's been called for Penalties like that, uh, that before. Yeah, that would have made me puke. So to get the to get the to get the ball was was just a plus. Yep, I think there should be a waiver, Kevin. Football is dangerous. I am still going yeah. to play it. I love it, and I make lots of money. I'm not. I'm willing. Let me restate that. I'm willing to risk yeah. concussions, ACL not walking, not being able to think, all of it so I can play this game that I love and let's get back to real football. I know that's not ever going to happen. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, let, let's just take a look at the running game here. You're talking about 14 carries. You're talking about 35 yards. You're talking about mm-hmm. being able to run out the clock or at least down to about 30 seconds and still throwing the football late because a, you don't trust the run game, I guess, but that's not yeah. really it. it. You don't trust your kicker, so yeah. you're trying to get more. <laughs> all, all of it's bizarre to me. Uh, do you think that they're ever going to run the football this year? Because I'm starting to believe that they won't. Well, look, James uh, Daniels tore his pec muscle and is perhaps out for the year, which I think is really obviously injurious to the overall health of that offensive line because I think he was a big part of that, that line kind of coming together. I don't think that they were all pro level. I don't think they were approaching what the Colts are, but – I think they were getting better, and if Daniels is not there, it's a big deal. I didn't have a problem with them throwing the ball uh, to Allen Robinson, trying to put the, the game away there, um, just because of the you know you, you don't have a lot of faith in Santos. You, you, you brought in Kai Forbath in the middle of the week for a workout, so I, I get it. And and you know if you you didn't think you were going to be able to pick up the yards on the ground. That's fine. You're throwing the ball to Allen Robinson. But I will say, like, Allen Robinson has been losing, like, too many 50-50 balls for my liking. I don't know how much is his fault and how much is the quarterback's fault, but that needs to be uh, needs to be fixed. Um, so, you know, I didn't have a problem with it. I think with Nick Foles, you're going to be throwing the ball a lot of times. Um, but I also think that David Montgomery is a talented back, and you need to figure out, a way to get the ball in his hands as many times as possible, you know, even if it's not handoffs. Uh, you know, if you, you can increase his receptions and and figure out a way to, for him to get the ball more, uh, I think it's an overall plus for the Bears. 
Yeah. I got you. Four and one here. What is it? October the 9th? Give, mm-hmm. give me a prediction, Kevin. How many wins for the Bears? Man, a platform for four and one. You know, right now, uh, 538 has them at 74% odds of making the playoffs. And remember that seven teams per conference get in this year. So uh, I think it's good. You know, at the beginning of the year, I went went through and I, I and this was back in April and May when I think everyone was a little little bit more optimistic or whatever. I had them at ten and six. You know, you, you still got the the Vikings twice. You got the Lions out there. Uh, maybe you, you get a split against the Packers. I'll say ten and six. Why not? It's Victory Friday. I'm feeling optimistic. 10 and 6, I will be happy with. And that, that, that will get you in the playoffs with split 17. I'm way more optimistic now, even with okay. some of the things we're saying. But uh, look, Nick Foles, fine, not perfect, not close to perfect, but still an upgrade, at least in my mind. The defense has been rough, but I do think they are starting to get there. The Mac thing, I think, feels feels huge. And he was off the injury list for the first time all season, so maybe that's a good sign. I don't know. And he's got. And by the way, they just got through a Thursday night game, so he is all the way till next Sunday to heal up. I, I I'm optimistic here, Kevin. I think they're in the playoffs. I would, I would, I would lay my Carm five dollars down that the Bears. Are you, so you, are you willing to push it to eleven or twelve victories? No, no. Okay. But I feel good with ten. I think ten is. Okay. I think ten's happening. I do. I think yeah. I think that's solid. Yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, let's spray around here a little bit. Corey Crawford, the Crow Man, apparently an emotional conversation, according to Stan Bowman yesterday. Bowman, the Blackhawks GM, telling Crawford that you and us are done. Let's have a breakup <laughs> at 35. Uh, you will go play elsewhere and make money. And thank you, by the way, for 260 wins, two Stanley Cups, and back-to-back 30-win seasons. The first Blackhawk goalie mm-hmm. to do that since Ed Bell for all of it. Your favorite thing about Crow? I just, I, I always just kind of like this personality. You know, goalies have unique personalities. Some are prickly, some are weird. I think Crawford was kind of a little bit of a mix, kind of like, you know, leaning a little bit more towards the weird side. But, um, you know, I, I like that he always stood up in the, the face of criticism. I, I think that Chicago hockey fans, uh, the Chicago ca- casual hockey fans really like to look at the goalie and turn it into like a Bears quarterback situation and either or, you know, either the guy sucks or he's, he's great. And he, 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 he took a lot of the brunt of the criticism. And I think early on in his career, when he was still kind of finding his way, some of that, that criticism was warranted. And, you know, he didn't have a great opening to the 2015 playoffs, but he, you know, he let Scott Darling come in, come in, win that predator series. And then the switch was made and, he, you know, he easily could have won the Conn Smythe in 2015 uh, when all is said and done. I think Patrick Kane says they don't win the third cup without um, with, without Crawford, and they certainly don't win the 2013 one when he had a, a couple big games there too. So, you know, I think he was just kind of a cool guy. Um, you know, he had his share of issues, his share of injury issues. Um, but, you know, he was, he was a Blackhawk, and I think – Kind of when all is said and done, he's never going to get the recognition that a Kane, a Taze, a Keith, a Seabrook gets. But, you know, he's right there. I think just as important um, as anybody else with with hanging two of those three banners. Um, So I I think it's kind of a sad day to see him go. I'm not sure that it had to happen. Me neither. Um, But at this 
Yeah, at, you know, at the same time, it's like, okay, well, if you're you're paying Seabrook six, seven million dollars a year. Ouch. By the way, Brent Seabrook. Here's a fact for you: Brent Seabrook uh, is signed through the uh, end of this next presidential administration, oh, whoever it is. Oof. <laughs> so oh. when you make decisions like that, and you're paying Andrew Shaw and you're paying Brandon Saad for whatever it is he does, you know, this is you, you, this is the decisions that need to be made, and. I think a lot of people who weren't, who still haven't been brought over to Crawford's side, and I'm not exactly sure that those people still exist. That almost feels like a little bit of a straw man argument for me, for something for you know Hawks fans to just kind of complain about on Twitter. But if those people do exist, they're really going to be brought over to Crawford's side uh, once we go into a full season with with uh, Delia and Lincoln. In. Uh, if that's, in fact, what the the Blackhawks plan on doing. Which is why I kind of find it bizarre. Is Corey Crawford going to get a ton of money in the offseason here? I I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem the, like. The, 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 the free agent goalie list is pretty deep, and it's not like he's at the top of the list. Uh, for a 36-year-old with a history of injuries, um, you know, it kind of seems like, you know, that five or six million dollars that maybe he wants is not out there. But if all the Hawks were offering was three and a half, I'm sure he can go out and find four and four or four and a half million somewhere else. And, you know, I don't think you or I would uh, turn down an extra million dollars uh, a year. No, I guess that's fair. And maybe I just have problems ever letting go of players that contribute the way Corey Crawford has contributed. I still on some level, yeah. want Kerry Wood pitching for the Cubs, and I want Ozzie Guillen playing short for the Sox, and I wouldn't mind. You know, uh, the, the, yeah. the crazy thing is, is he was drafted by the, the Blackhawks in 2003. Like, I can't even get my head around that. Like, he's been in that organization for almost like two full decades. And, you know, for him to, you know, and he was he was in the organization for almost a decade before he even came up. You know, the, the road for an NHL goalie is long. Um, so maybe, you know, Adelia or Lankanen follows along that same path, but I don't think it's going to be instantaneous. And I, I think there will be growing pains. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let, let's wrap up with a little baseball here. I just want to throw something at you because sure. maybe it doesn't matter, but I feel like it matters at least a little bit. If you look at what's going on, the NLCS is set, Braves and the Dodgers, the Braves, mm-hmm. both teams sweeping their ways in. So. Yeah. The Cubs lose to the Marlins. They score one run, and then Miami goes and gets smoked by Atlanta. (laughs) I think that's not great. And then the other thing that's not great, I thought the White Sox were a better team than Oakland. They lose to Oakland, obviously. And then the A's go, and they lose three games to one to an Astros team, by the way, that was 500. They're not the all-powerful Astros. Maybe they're hot right now. But I would almost hypothesize that the A's, who only played six games against teams over 500, were so damn ripe to be beaten, and just somehow, <laughs> some way, the White Sox just didn't do it. So it, it's, I think there's a little extra pain for both baseball teams as the playoffs are going on right now, and seeing that the teams that they lost to really kind of were, I'm not going to say pathetic, but they, yeah. they they weren't World Series champions. Let's put it that way. Look, I, you know, I, I know the Cubs have their problems. I don't think that there was any excuse in losing to that Marlins team. No matter what anyone says, no matter what excuses people want to give that lineup, whatever deficiencies the lineup has, that was a team that lost 105 games last year. And I know that they have young pitching, and I know they did well, but whatever. There was no excuse for that. 
Uh, so the White Sox series kind of felt like a coin flip. I really felt like going in, you know, to this this postseason, this wasn't the, the White Sox year, just because you could see that they just didn't quite have the pitching. I, I don't know how you go into four rounds of playoffs with two starters and then you're bringing out, uh, you know, Tommy McBullpen for, for the third Get the third decisive game. Like, how are you possibly going to win a World Series that way? It's not going to happen. It's fair. Yeah, it's disappointing that you fell, fell against the Oakland, but I, I think that last game was a coin flip, and and it happens. Um, I, I think that you know the the important part is that that both front offices look and say, look, these are our de- deficiencies, and we have a plan to fix them. Now, will they have money to fix them? Uh, in the Cubs' case, maybe, maybe not. I have no idea how the Cubs are going to fix this plane while it's in the air. I really don't. Um, I don't feel great about that. The Sox, to, to me, seems a little bit more straightforward. You need a starter. You need at least a little bit better of a platoon situation in right field, um, You know, maybe an extra bat. Um, and I think Reinsdorf, at, at this point in his life, wants that extra World Series and will go out and write the check. But um, it, you know, it still remains to be seen. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting you know, winter for, for both teams. Along those lines, I would punt on literally every White Sox need to make sure you are at the top of the market for Trevor Bauer. If you don't get yeah. him and you yeah. want, you know, that's what I would do. Don't, you know, yeah. Jose Quintana is nice or whatever you want to, or anybody else that's a depthful starter. But Trevor Bauer changes the dynamic of who you are. That makes you the prohibitive favorite, at least in my mind. And he's a free agent has a relationship with Tim Anderson that we saw. Why wouldn't he want to be a Chicago White Sox and come here? It's like perfect. Change the yeah. game, change the game, the whole thing. But he's, but he's flirting with the Red Sox on Yankees on Twitter. It's like, come on, Trevor, like, don't do that. Um, yeah, you bring in Bauer, you have two co-aces with, with Lucas Giolito. That pushes Keiko back to the third starter. And then you've got Kopech, you know, if he's back, um, Dunning, and Cease just trying to figure out four and five. And if those guys progress like they should, if you have those guys running out every fourth and fifth day, man, that's that's a good position to be in. Yep, that would be sweet, as they put it. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, I told you 23 minutes. We're right at it here, so you get to go now. Beauty. Uh, I know Beauty. You, I know you have very your you and your wife are going to do something incredibly special today, not to get personal here on the <laughs> Windy City Podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm talking about like doing the dishes or or going on a walk or whatever the hell it is. So we're gonna take a deep breath after all this e-learning and uh, do something good with our kids. There so we I go. I don't know what you're talking about, Mark. There we go. There we go. All right, everybody, everybody, subscribe to the Midway Minute, or we will hunt you down and beat you up. And by the way, do the same thing for the Windy City Podcast. Give a rating. Tell me how much you love this podcast. Uh, give it five stars. I can't accept anything else. Uh, otherwise, my ego will be bruised and I won't be able to go on. So thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for being on, brother. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.